The reading this morning is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Acts 17, 22 through 31. Good morning. I'd like to take a second and wish everyone a very happy new year. I know it's somewhat late, but happy new year to each and every one of you. And greetings from the brothers and sisters in Carmen. It is so good to be back home. It's good to be back in my first church. The brothers and sisters who were a part of my life for the last 65 years. You have no idea how much Kim and I miss you all. And it's so good to be back amongst the Maybe somewhat older, but friendly, smiling, friendly faces here in, in Winnipeg. When Jay sent out the preaching schedule, I received the email and I, I read through it. I thought about taking a spot, but I thought, you know what, I should just leave those spots for the very capable men in this congregation. So I didn't do anything about it. And then a little while later, Jay had contacted me and said, Glenn, I really want you to, to take a spot. In fact, take two spots. So I thought about it, and I chose this one here and then one later in the year. I really appreciate the, uh, the preaching schedule here of the, the Central Church here. Jay and Miles and the elders have done a good job of putting topics in place and having so much information available to the one who's going to be speaking. 
My topic today is God doesn't need us, but he wants us. When you get that information, you know, you can just take that information and you can just go in so many different directions with it. I've read many articles on the topic that I'm going to be presenting this morning. I've taken an exorbitant amount of notes and I put some thoughts together that I hope make sense to you all. I just hope that these thoughts will help you in building your relationship with God and with Jesus. And just to clarify, I am in no way an expert when it comes to relationships. In fact, I feel that this is most likely, well, actually, let me say most definitely, one of the weakest areas in my life that I need to be working on. So what is a relationship? Webster's New World Dictionary defines it as the quality or state of being related, a continuing attachment or association between persons. Psychologist research has long established that relationships have the power to influence physical and mental health, for better or for worse. Now new research is expanding our understanding of the ways that relationships influence such conditions as cancer and heart disease, depression and addiction. I remember when I was first diagnosed with cancer, my oncologist wanted to know about my job and my family life and my other activities. And when I described my job tour and the undue pressures that the head office relationship placed on me, she said, that is not good. She then said that they were starting to see and believe that stress could be a trigger for cancer. That was back in the 90s. And this new research is confirming what they were seeing back then. As humans, the relationships we form with other people are vital to our mental and emotional well-being and even our survival. Humans have an inherent desire to be close to other people, to connect and build lasting relationships. One article I read said that people in healthy relationships tend to trust and respect each other. They consistently make time for each other. They remember details about each other's lives. They engage in healthy activities together. They work collaboratively as a team rather than as two self-serving individuals. They're disciplined. They're healthy and whole in their own instead of searching for their identity or healing in another person. And they avoid focusing on what they want to get from the other person, but instead focus on how the relationship can be mutually beneficial. The Northwestern Medical Journal listed five benefits to, of healthy relationships. Some are specific to romantic relationships, while others aren't. So let's go through them. Number one, less stress. Being in a committed relationship is linked to less production of cortisol, a stress hormone. This suggests that paired people are less responsive to psychological stress and that the social and emotional support that comes from having a partner can be a, a great buffer against stress. There's even evidence to suggest that couples who cohabitate are happier than those who don't. Knowing someone loves and supports you when you're going through it today, even if the person is not physically present, is a mental health booster, says Dr. Fisher. Number two, better healing. Whether it's having someone there to remind you to take your medicine or having a partner to help take your mind off the pain. Research suggests long-term partners have undergone, who have undergone heart surgery are three times 
more likely to survive the first three months after surgery than single patients. Long-term partners also reported feeling more confident about their ability to handle post-surgery pain and were less worried about the surgery in general. A little emotional support can go a long way toward helping a person recover from a procedure or help them through an illness. Number three, healthier behaviors. Healthy relationships set the perfect tone for an overall healthy lifestyle. If your spouse, friends, or other loved ones encourage eating a healthy diet, exercising, not smoking, etc., you're likely to follow in their footsteps. It's a lot easier to take on healthy behaviors when you surround yourself with people who are doing the same. Number four, a greater sense of purpose. Many people strive to feel like they're doing something good for someone and they're improving the world in some way. Being in a loving relationship, no matter what kind, can give a person a sense of well-being and purpose. It, in fact, it's possible that having a sense of purpose can actually add years to your life. And number five, longer life. Speaking of adding years to your life, research suggests that having social ties can increase longevity. Everyone is unique and has their own needs and desires when it comes to relationships, handling stress and living a meaningful life. If you're the type of person who enjoys being alone, that's okay too. But attempting to form a few close relationships could contribute noticeable benefits to your mental and physical health. Sometimes having at least one good friend or a trusted co-worker, therapist or counselor to help walk you through issues like social anxiety or depression can end up being more than worthwhile. It might be difficult, but it also might be exactly what you need. Even just having one or two strong, healthy relationships in your life can have a positive effect on health. Each of us has a desire to love, but also to be loved. That's why personal relationships, friendships, work relationships, community relationships, but most importantly, family and church relationships are so important. Relationships matter to us, and that's why we sacrifice time and energy to keep them healthy. Effective communication and service provide the impetus for our relationships with each other, and the same is true for a relationship with God. So what does it mean to be in relationship with God? Well, we've all heard the age-old question about which came first, the chicken or the egg. And I know a question like that probably would drive Graham crazy. The question could also apply to our relationship with God. Which came first, man's need for a relationship with God or God's desire for a relationship with man? We love him because he first loved us, explains Apostle Paul, 1 John 4.19. John also tells us this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Clearly, it was God's desire to plan and establish a relationship between man and himself. God designed man to reflect his very character, to be like him. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, Genesis 5.1. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female. He created them, Genesis 1.27. God instituted this type of relationship with Israel when he said, I walk among you and I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 12. These few words summarize what God wants in relationship with people. Notice the two aspects of God's simple statement. 
First, he expresses his desire that we acknowledge and accept him as a supreme being. Then he expresses his desire to associate with, to have a relationship with those who accept him as their God. Once we understand that God desires a relationship with us, we should more than ever recognize that we truly need him. The Apostle John briefly describes the nature of the relationship we are to have with God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. First John chapter three, verses one through three. Here we see the purpose of the creation of man. God is building a family, his own family. He created us so that we can have a special father child relationship with him. God plans to bestow his immortality on us. As Paul explains, this perishable body must be clothed with the imperishable and what is mortal with immortality. First Corinthians 15, verse 53. God wants an eternal relationship with us as his children. A relationship with God is different than our relationships with people in our lives. God's presence in our lives produces peace, purpose and power. And it's important that we prioritize God in our relationships, no matter the connection. He should be the most important person in our lives, and his word can help guide us on how to love and respect others. Through deepening our relationship with him, we can better care about those who are in our lives. So let's take a couple of minutes and just take a look at a few examples of people in the Bible who had a relationship with God. Have you ever had connections that got you special treatment? You're waiting in a long line to get somewhere, and then someone comes and takes you to the front of the line. I remember one time I couldn't get tickets to a sold-out concert, but a connection gave me a set of tickets to it. And those seats turned out to be pretty amazing, just one small benefit of having a connection. And I might add that the benefits of this connection went just way beyond just concert tickets. If you need connections, the best connection of all is to have a deep, strong connection with God. If you can build a strong relationship with God so that you feel you can go to him with anything, well, then that's just going straight to the top. He's what, what you might call the ultimate connection. These men enjoyed a lifelong relationship with God. Their unwavering trust and belief in and faith in God was the foundation for their relationship with him. Adam. Adam lived to be 930 years old, Genesis 5.5. And like every other biblical character who did great things for God in his old age, Adam sinned. Adam, who had been created in God's image, enjoyed walks in the garden and conversations with God. His greatest achievements, though, were a lifetime loving his wife Eve and loving the Lord his God and enjoying a faithful relationship with him. Enoch. Enoch lived to be 365 years old, Genesis 5:23. In the pre-flood world, that was super young. Then again, in that world, Enoch was the only man who never died. The Bible makes this remarkable statement. Enoch walked with God and he was no more, for God took him, Genesis 5:24. And also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, where we read, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away 
For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Noah. Noah lived to be 950 years old, Genesis 9:29, and after the flood, it's recorded that human lifespans decreased dramatically. Of course, humanly speaking, there would have been no humans, no humans, animals, reptiles, or other creatures unless Noah had done something great for God before the flood. For 120 years prior to the flood, Noah and his sons constructed a massive ark. The ark was a quarter of the height and a half of the length of the Titanic. No wonder it took so long to build. Even more remarkable, Noah built it by faith in God. Up until then, mankind had no experience with great floods, and they had no experience with massive shipbuilding. In other words, Noah had never seen what God told him. But by faith in God, Noah obeyed and is still one of the most famous men ever. His belief and trust and faith was the basis for a strong relationship with God. How about Job? When comparing Job 1, verses 1 through 5, and Job 42, verse 16, one can see that Job lived to be at least 210 years old. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how old he was when he died. What's important is that Job courageously listened to the Lord's rebukes. He humbly turned from his sins, and he trusted the Lord wholeheartedly again. Later, the Lord blessed Job with twice as many possessions and ten more children. And there's no indication, however, that the Lord promised to bless Job. It's just that the Lord likes to do, it's what he likes to do when we trust him wholeheartedly. We all endure deep losses and grief. We all experience deep anger and sorrow. The question is, are we willing to listen to God? To humbly turn from our sins and trust him wholeheartedly again? I hope so. Job had a strong, strong relationship with God. He was able to wholeheartedly trust in that relationship. He faced the rebukes from God to suffer as he did, knowing full well that God was in complete control. And he was blessed because of his faithful relationship with God. Abraham. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. His life breaks easily into two parts. At age 75, he turned from idols. And then for the next hundred years, Abraham followed the one true God, maker of heaven and earth. Like every other Old Testament hero of the faith, Abraham wasn't perfect. In fact, it took about 38 years for Abraham to fully obey the Lord without hesitation. Everything up until then was leading to Abraham's greatest test of faith, sacrificing his son Isaac. Remember, Abraham didn't even have one page of the Bible. He only had what the Lord God told him. Still, the idea of sacrificing Isaac was the ultimate test. The Apostle Paul explains what this test proved. It proved that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. Abraham's faith that God was leading him, his trust that God would provide, and his unshakable belief in God formed the relationship that he enjoyed with him. Joseph. Joseph lived to be 110 years old, Genesis chapter 50, verse 26. And his great-grandfather Abraham's legacy never would have continued, let alone continued for 4,000 years without Joseph's unending trust that the Lord was always with him. We first see this when Joseph is sold into slavery. We see this again when Joseph is thrown in prison. We see this a third time when Joseph is promoted to Egypt's supreme leader under Pharaoh's authority. And finally, 
We see this when Joseph has the opportunity to slaughter his brothers, but instead he forgives them. Listen to Joseph's robust statement of faith. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Genesis 50:20. What remarkable trust in God's sovereignty and providence. No wonder he's considered one of the greatest biblical heroes. Joseph's unwavering faith that God was always with him through every situation formed the basis for his strong relationship with God. And then there's King David, a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't it be something to be in a relationship so deep that you're considered to be just like that other person? So what made this relationship so strong? Well, David was faithful. No matter what he was dealing with in his life, David trusted in the Lord. His trust was so great, he fought the giant Philistine, Goliath, without fear, trusting in God. David loved the Lord. You just have to read through the Psalms to understand just how much David loved the Lord. In Psalms 119, David says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. David also showed love by the way he conducted himself on the battlefield. Every decision, every step that he took, he followed God's command and it led him to victory. David was also repentant. David was human and he gave in to his fleshly desires with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed. A very low time in David's life and he realized his great sin and he went to the Lord and repented and asked for forgiveness. In his relationship with God, David was also honest and thankful. Honest with his feelings as he lamented to God about his hardships. But he was also thankful to God for his faithfulness throughout his life. I encourage you to read Second Samuel chapter 22 just to get a glimpse into the relationship that David had with God. Just a few of the many, many examples of people in the Bible who enjoyed a relationship with God. So what about us? How do we build a relationship with God? How do we go about strengthening our relationship with God? As I mentioned, I read several articles on this, and many of those articles suggested different ways, and I want to share five ways with you how to strengthen your relationship with God. Number one, humble yourself and pray. Prayer is more than just reciting words. It's a chance for you to have a conversation with God. You can pray at any time throughout the day, but you may want to consider starting your day off with prayer. When you open your eyes in the morning and turn off your alarm, thank God for another day. Thank him for your family and friends, your home and your transportation, your work and any other blessings that are in your life. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day routine that we forget how truly blessed we are. By taking time in the morning and again before you drift off to sleep at night, you will keep these positives centered in your mind. Ask God to continue to bless and protect your family. This is also a great time to ask him for help and keeping your mind focused on his will for your life. Sometimes by asking him, we suddenly begin to see the opportunities in our lives. Number two, read and study your Bible. I know that there are many in this auditorium this morning that are a part of the group that is reading through the Bible over the course of a year. This plan has been laid out from Genesis through Revelations. We are currently in the book of Second Corinthians, and I really appreciate the comments of several in the group. I'm greatly encouraged by those comments, and there are things that have been shared by individuals that highlight the power of the message and lessons in the Bible. It's been really neat to be reminded 
of these lessons and to see how the Bible is laid out and how truly it is the Word of God. The importance of daily study is reiterated over and over, so let me encourage you, if you're not a part of this plan, it's not too late to join. It also teaches discipline in daily reading and study and reflection on the Scriptures. You won't be disappointed, and I can say with certainty that you will be built up and you will most definitely be blessed by being a part of a daily Bible reading. Another great option is the verse of the day group. If you're not a part of this group, you're missing out on a neat, neat daily snack by reflecting on the chosen verse of the day. The discussion and insight into the selected verse is a great opportunity to be a part of a group of brothers and sisters, not only here, but in other provinces as well, are a part of the group. It's neat to be a part of that and participate. I find myself looking forward to reading the verse, reading the thoughts that Miles has put about on the, on the website for that verse, and then reading the thoughts of those who are chiming in with what the verse means to them. And I can honestly say that we grow together in these readings and in these discussions. So think of your Bible as a handbook. There is more about how to live your life within the pages than you may realize. Books like Proverbs and the letters to the churches, such as Ephesians and Philippians, that teach you how to live the Christian life. The Bible is full, full, full of lessons. Lessons like Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, tells us, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. This passage definitely shows us that Jesus is inviting us to come to him in relationship. And three things stand out. God invites us personally to come through him through Jesus. Who does he invite? All who are weary and heavy laden, which is all of us. What do we need to be a part of this relationship? Well, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And finally, what is Jesus as part of the covenant relationship? I will give you rest. Because of who Jesus is, he is meek, gentle, and lowly of heart. You can find Jesus' teachings throughout the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then follow the disciples' teachings in the rest of the New Testament. The Old Testament introduces you to Jesus' lineage and stories of people of great faith. And the more you mature in God's word, the less you will allow external factors to cause you to falter. Number four, join a group of like-minded believers. Fellowship is important, not only for your sense of belonging and acceptance, but also for your spiritual growth as a Christian. Whether it's a local church group, a Bible study class in someone's home, or an online group, you can find like-minded believers to share thoughts and testimonies. Depending on where you live, you may be able to locate Christian groups that meet based on other interests as well. Christian book clubs, Christian therapy groups, faith-based fitness classes, faith-based sports teams, coffee time, game nights, and potlucks. In Carmen, we have a family game night on the last Friday evening of the month. We meet in the building, we play games, we enjoy some snacks, but more importantly, we get to know each other better. And as those relationships grow, so too does our relationship with God. One quick example, my grandsons Deacon and Micah attend a faith-based preschool in Regina. And you know, at such a young age, we see the benefit of them attending that faith-based preschool. And they are only five and three years old. There is a saying that you become like the five people that you choose to hang around. So choose people who are strong in their relationship with God, who can help your spiritual growth as a Christian, and also to help you strengthen your relationship with God. Number five, do for others. 
Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others. We've heard the command, but how often do we follow it? And how can serving others bring you closer to God? Caring and serving others is what Jesus did while he was here on earth. And it serves as an example of how God wants us to live. Will people hurt and betray us? Yep. Jesus was hurt and betrayed too. He still reached out and pointed others to God. By feeding and clothing the helpless, we are feeding Jesus as chosen. As Jesus said to Peter after he'd asked him three times if he loved him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. It's our responsibility to care for others and to be the Lord's hands and feet. Obedience is key to a closer relationship with God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. John chapter 14, verse 15. And seek out spiritual gifts. The Bible mentions that each Christian has been given spiritual gifts. Gifts like wisdom and faith and knowledge. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Some of these gifts have something to do with our calling. You have the ability to strengthen these gifts with certain activities. If you are aware of the spiritual gifts that God has given you, you can focus on aligning your purpose and serving others as a means of strengthening your relationship with God. Maybe some of these traits and skills apply to you. Leadership. Are you the one that everyone looks to in a situation? Are you more of a leader who takes initiative rather than a follower? Another gift is a follower. Being a follower. Not everyone wants to be a leader. Although I believe everyone can lead in many different ways. Those who follow Jesus worked in many different ways putting their gifts to use as a follower, thereby demonstrating leadership. Administration. Do you like to take charge for a church event when no one else is able to lead it? Are you likely to delegate tasks to others and organize groups and events? A very important task. Teaching. Are you able to connect with others in reading and sharing the Bible? How about evangelism? Do you share the gospel of Jesus with others routinely? Mercy. Do you empathize with others who are hurting and seeking comfort? Giving. Do you go beyond your regular giving each week and find ways to support others with time, but also with financial giving? When you understand what gifts are and begin using those gifts, you will see more clearly that everything will begin to feel aligned with God. As you continue to work on these, your relationship with God will grow. So find others who foster the same gifts as you, who can mentor you or you them. Make a commitment to incorporate your abilities into your spiritual growth on a daily basis. Relationships should and need to be intentional. We are intentional when we make time for work, when we make time for play, for doctor visits, to get maintenance done on our vehicle, to make time for shopping and for vacations. We think about it. We plan for these things to happen. Our relationship with God needs to be just as intentional, in fact, even more so. There really is nothing more important than your spiritual health and building and strengthening your relationship with God. Thank you, everyone, for being here this morning. Thank you for your faith, for the work that you do here in God's kingdom, and for the encouragement that each of you are to me on a daily basis. May God continue to bless each of you, and may each of you walk faithfully with God.